everybody. Welcome to our next podcast. I'm Rainseeker, and this is Tony One. Hello, hello. This is Dwarf Fortress Talk. Dwarf Fortress Talk. Number four. Number four. That's right. Four. Four is a uh, four is longer than a than just a, an accident, right? That's right. So four we're there. Is a very good number. And we've arrived. We're no longer a trilogy. We're a, we're a show. That's right. We <laughs> are a show officially. I guess we're still a mini series, but but yeah, we're gonna take the take the world by storm. I'm gonna be very happy if we get past twelve. That's what. I'm like. Yeah, that's that that requires quite a, quite a bit of life stability and stuff to uh, when you got a monthly show that that goes up to twelve. That's like a whole year. It does, and <laughs> guys, unfortunately, we are minus one host tonight. That's right, Mr. Captain Captain Tastic. Occasionally, Captain Tastic is called out on uh, for duty. He is a superhero, you see. That's true. It's and true. he had to fight uh, Doctor Doom and Venom at the same time. And um, yeah, I mean, usually he's fighting one when we're on the show, but two. Yeah, yeah he just two he needed, is way too many. He, he couldn't do it. I mean, usually he, you know, you can kind of hear punching noises in the background, but uh, yeah, it's either it's either him fighting the superhero or me fighting the cat. Right. Right. <laughs> so we're, he's going to have to be at work doing doing that those things tonight. And uh, he was called away unexpectedly at the last moment, and we rescheduling was out of the question. So yeah, well, you can't really you can't really expect a supervillain attack, you know. Yeah, I know it's really hard to anticipate those. So yeah, here we are. So hopefully we won't get too kind of in 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 what what would that what would that be called when you get wrapped up in your own little universe and you don't have the staying hand of Captain Tastic to. Uh, um. Inbred. Inbred. Well, that's <laughs> that's one way of saying it. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a better word. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So it's already getting there. <laughs> I know. I, I am a little concerned for our. Safety. Yeah, we're totally going to stave off degeneracy, though. We're going to be able to fight degeneracy for at least another ten minutes before it gets horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm already feeling that 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 two minute itch here right now. So. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but. Um, yeah. Well. It looks like our third, third, uh, that'd be our fourth host, I guess, the little cat. He's, uh, he's not in the room right now, which means he's probably staring at me from someplace where I can't see him, <laughs> ready to attack. But for now, we have peace. Yes. So, uh, as you guys know, our topic today is the world generation and history generation. Um, what, I'd like to talk about first, Tarn, is what exactly happens when you hit that button that says Generate World? Yeah, it, it, it goes through several steps, right? It, it goes through several steps, which it, which it kind of lists out as you go, at least up to a certain point. I mean, first, it just needs a world to, to play with at all. So you need, you need to know – it loads up your parameters and it, it allocates a certain amount of space for your world. Did you want a large one? Did you want a, uh, did you want a small one? And um, then it needs to come up with, with uh, just basic passes on, on elevation and um, uh, the, the, uh, the, the rainfall temperature and that kind of thing. So it will lay down an elevation field, lay down a temperature field, and adjust the temperature field based on what, what, whether it wants a north or a south pole because right now it only has one or the other. And then uh, – Adjust the temperatures based on elevation, drop some rainfall, and and other things. Just just the basic basic building blocks there, and then 
it'll move on to, to further stages, uh, which um, is smoothing those values out sometimes, adding um, things like rivers. We'll start start carving them because once it knows the elevation, then it and and where the oceans are. Then it can start placing placing rivers and just kind of uh, it goes through it goes through several phases getting getting rivers to eventually look decent and then it fills up some lakes where it thinks they should be and after that it kind of looks at the rainfall temperature the drainage level it came up with and the elevation and decides where the different biomes are and will actually locate regions and name them like this is this forest this is this this is that and then it looks at your raws and populates those with creatures. And at that point, it's got a world with no intelligent creatures and at least no intelligent creatures that can form civilizations and says, you know, we've got a place now where we can actually start these, these, um, these civilizations up where they have enough things to play with. So it can, it can, it can, um, you need to know, like, like, for instance, what rocks are in an area before you know what type of dwarven civilization is going to pop up there. So it's kind of a geographical determinism thing. You need the geography first. And it's at that point that the, the civilizations begin. And it also, uh, I think it lays out caves at that point. Where are the mega beasts and uh, dragons and titans and so on? And then it kind of seeds the different civilizations everywhere. Right right at the beginning, there, there's no creation stories yet or anything like that. So So there isn't a lot of consistency right now. But at least it does, so it's, it's more uniformity right now. It's just like pick a bunch of spots that are kind of good for, say, a goblin or a human, and then pop 20 of them down, and then just let them, let them breed and build cities and, and spread um, uh, at that point. And there, you know, there, there are a few other uh, things that come up during that process that I'm sure we'll get to. But that's, that's the, uh, once a certain number of years run by, again, according to the parameters, it stops the process, and you've got a you've got a world sitting there. Very good. So not so as far as races are concerned, everyone doesn't come from two people. Yeah, yeah, that's that's how it works right now. We wanted a little bit of it. It, it was at first it was just um, because we didn't want a lot of inbreeding because it kind of <laughs> if everyone comes from two people, then. Uh, the first step is fine, <laughs> right? But then the second step, you're like, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean, you have to, right? For the first like what ten generations, or, or maybe just three generations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people would have to do things with their brothers and sisters, right? Right. And so to avoid that, we've got ten pairs, <laughs> and ten pairs is enough. So that, like the game, the game avoids certain inbreeding. You 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 should never have brothers with brothers. I mean, sorry, that's not even going to lead to a long line. I meant brothers and sisters, uh, and half brothers and half sisters. Um, uh, the uh, it should avoid those. It should avoid parents and children. But I think certain things it doesn't like. You, like the farther out on the graph you search, the longer it takes to find things. So I, I think, but I haven't done a lot of. I mean, I haven't really made my best effort there because I, I think uncles and aunts are still okay. And uh, cousins doesn't check for. Uh, cousins have a lot more uh, historical basis, which is, I mean, so they're they're actually fine, uh, essentially. But but aunts and uncles, I don't think have quite as much. So and you you could so a, a niece could marry an, an uncle. This is this is the current setup, yeah. And, that, <laughs> and so so you you don't really need ten pairs. You just need what two or something. But but uh, 
in any case, ten pairs. But now I'm 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 even more happy with the ten pairs now because uh, another thing that you've got uh, in the in the coming version is the the genetics for things like hair and eye color and so on. And right. so if you started with two people, you don't have a lot of variability. Right. If you start with ten pairs and twenty people, you you're going to have a pretty good selection of the available appearances and. Uh, there's no mutation right now, so you are just going to be losing variation over time. Right. Uh, but you'll you'll have enough after you know the what however many generations it runs now. I, I guess it can run. Uh, if you have a thousand years, it, it could run a little under a hundred generations or something. And um, that 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 that's quite a bit of time, but it's probably not enough to wipe out all of the hair colors, but one say. So, so you should have you should have a good variability in appearance um, at, at the at the end of of generation. Um, now, there's there's things that might be fun to toy with later, like if you know that you're going to have two dwarven civilizations, then maybe give all of them darker hair in one, and all of them lighter hair in another, or something, uh, just so you can you can have kind of these different subgroups that pop up for that that reason. Um, is there's always you know things that come out of that. Um, Sure. That kind of thing, just Have just actual racial differences. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and it's and it's um, it's it, it, there's they're kind of arguable whether whether you'd want it to be that way or not. But certainly when you're when you're wandering around looking at people, being able to tell where they're from by their hair or something is is a uh, is a cool thing uh, to be able to tell. Um, so so it's 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 cool to uh, to have ten. I'm glad I have ten pairs now, especially since I did the appearance, but. Now, how uh, many yeah. different like um, are you creating unique eye colors to the human race or skin tones? I mean, I, I assume that goblins are going to be green, but uh, yeah, they're they're they're. I think uh, yeah, everyone's everyone's got their own thing right now. The um, the humans. I went through my list of colors and I picked everything that I thought was was reasonable. Um, so there's like no green humans. But kind of just a just a wide variety from from uh, from pale whites to darker browns and everything in between and ranging out a little bit into different kind of uh, not 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 specifically olive because when people say I think when people say you know someone has olive color skin I mean not olive is really green <laughs> but right. but it just means that there's kind of a kind of a uh, there's it's not just a line from from peach to to brown but there's a bit of variation in there so I picked anything that that kind of um, that kind of works. And I'm sure people have suggestions for for colors that are missing and so on. I really, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind if my color library. I think it's got like I don't remember if it's like a hundred colors now. I wouldn't mind having you know two thousand colors in there. They really don't take a lot of memory, and I think it's good to have, to use use your words. You know, have have all kinds of different colors. Cool. And, what about, uh, about eye colors? Uh, yes, for eye colors, I did I did the same thing for humans. For humans, I just went and picked you know the different eyes that I've seen and different eyes that I can think people have. It was really a wide variety, and I, pr- I probably cut a few too many out. And with the dwarves, I just uh, I just decided to be silly there, and I just left all of the um, color names that came from minerals. It's like emerald colored eyes, or copper colored eyes, or bronze colored eyes, amethyst colored eyes. Cool. So um, so yeah, I just wanted to to give it give it a little bit of flavor that way. Um, so you could have ruby eyes. Yeah, I think so. I think you could have sinister ruby eyes if ruby is a color. See, I mean, th- that's the thing where there's going to be some weird holes because <laughs> I don't remember if my color list has ruby or not. I'm pretty sure it had emerald, but I don't remember if it has ruby or not. But if it just said red, then I didn't keep it. 
Right. Because you don't want to read that description as like the dwarf has red eyes, but a dwarf has ruby eyes would be fine. So that's right. that's how I thought of it. And and uh, hair, I believe hair and skin for humans and dwarves is uh, the same set of colors. Um, and um, I mean they're 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 I mean most depictions I've seen of dwarves uh, they're light skinned but that's just true of fantasy in general. So I left uh, I mean fantasy meaning European fantasy or whatever. I mean obviously. A non-European fantasy is not going to have everybody with lightly white skin or whatever. But the uh, so I just decided to let let all the skin colors fly for those two races, and I think elves as well. Um, but with the elf hair, I think the elf hair is all kind of silveries and blondes and stuff, regardless of the skin color. Although I I I, I should go uh, I should go check. You know, hmm. you can always just pull things up and check. Let's go call up an elf right now. Whoops. Instead of typing the word elf into the file, maybe I should search for it. Uh, okay, so body appearance. We're down below here. What do we got? It looks like every color for skins and the eye, eye colors are are not, not set yet. Um, the hair... Yeah, I want to see an elf with violet eyes. That's what we see. <laughs> Yeah, right now I think they're just uh, copies of the human, but there's this note here. It says, need elf eye colors. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure I'll get to that. And then the um, the hair. Hair, hair, de hair, hair, hair. Where's your hair colors? Huh. Where'd it go? Where, 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 oh, where is my hair? My hair's gone away. I'll have to look at the dwarf to see where I hide hair color. <laughs> Because it looks like right now the the elves. Let me look up the word brown. How about that? Brown. Uh, uh it looks like um, it looks like for uh, for hair colors. There's a just a general. Um, no, no, gold and silver. Here they are. They're just hard to find. Uh, gold and silver for the uh, elves right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe that's the case. Is that an elf? <laughs> I'm kind of wandering around these giant. The text files have gotten so large now that that just popping up a piece of information isn't something that's an immediate um, immediate thing. Uh, right now, yeah, uh, I, uh, hair colors for dwarves and and humans still need to to be uh, to be fleshed out as well. Mm-hmm. But um, right now, I think they're just black and brown. But that's got to increase. But I did I did their eyes and skin, and uh, the elf seems to be done except for the eyes. So there's just these things. I'm sure there are notes lying around, like saying, "Like, please come up with this." But yeah, so we got to vote for violet elf eyes. There you go. Violet elf eyes, yes, sir. <laughs> okay, so let's let's move on and talk about um, the stories that get generated by these people. Um, now, our, our is the plan to give them all kind of uh, different plant life plans and motivations. Or are they just going to ha- all have pretty much the same goals? Yeah. So, so right now we have we have this this personality model, right? Right. So when when you're in when you're in uh, world generation, it when whenever someone arri- rises to a, a level where they hold some kind of responsibility, so it doesn't do this for the fisher dwarves at first because it can't run it for ten thousand people, but whenever someone rises to to a position of authority. Um, it then generates more information about their personalities. Right now, that does very little. It just kind of decides when they'll go to war or something like that. Um, they're, they're, but that's really because that's all they can do. 
<laughs> right now in world generation. But the idea is to to take that model and also to come up with a few things. Like right now how the dwarves have preferences, like they like plump helmets or something like that. Right. Um, there can there uh, to to flesh out a character, you don't just need personality and and preferences and things like that that are that are just sort of describing a static um, sort of state in their or of their of their head or whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm losing losing my words for how to describe that. But you want something that's sort of more dynamic about their future or something like what do they want out of life? It, that that doesn't like knowing your personality and preferences doesn't really answer that question. And because uh, that question isn't isn't something that came really out of a personality profile, but also out of experiences and and so on. There's there's so there's more of a kind of a history required to to get to a point where that gives a coherent answer. But at first, we're not going to need a coherent answer. We're just going to need an answer. Right. What what do you want out of life? So if if someone's ambitious and you know would wants to control the situations they're in, or maybe you know gets to the point where they want to control the world or whatever, that that's obviously an easy an easy thing for, for, for leadership to throw in goals like that. Or maybe they just like to collect things. Um, or maybe they, you know, they want, they want peace and harmony, uh, in life. Um, or they just want to have a family or whatever. Um, so, so, so certain things are going to lead to certain, you know, do they want more stability? Do they want to acquire resources? Do they want to protect their, their town that they grew up in? Um, and so if they, if they like, for instance, if a leader really has a love for the town they grew up in, then if they become, you know, the, the leader of the entire civilization, then what that should do is tweak numbers in their decision making processes so that that town, you know, receives more protection or favor, for instance. Um, and, you know, there are a bunch of different examples for that. And, you don't need to hit them all. You just need to throw enough in that 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 it's it's interesting enough that eventually the whole thing needs to arise at a point where you have different leaders and different people under the leaders. They all want things, but there has to be conflict in those in those um, those wants, not just between two people, but within a person as well. Their responsibilities might conflict with the things that they want, and then then you need or might conflict with the things that they want, and then you need. Uh, to be able to resolve those conflicts. Now, at first, it's all just numbers, like how it adds up the numbers for the thoughts to produce a single happiness number for a dwarf right now. So, if it's if it's adding up all those numbers, which it currently does right now when they're when they're deciding to go to war or not, all it needs to do to really lend conflict to the story, I think, is just tell you what's going on when that when that stuff happens. So, if they're kind of weighing the safety of their family versus, you know, whether or not to pull an army out of their hometown to a more strategic location on the front or something like that. Um, when they weigh that choice, and it's just like, you know, plus 20 here, minus 30 here, or whatever, go do it. What really happened there, story-wise, needs to be shown somewhere, right? It's like, this should be an agonizing decision sometimes. And if it just tells you about that, then I, I mean, it's going to make those characters jump off the page a lot more than they currently do, I think. So I, I see how, how conflict could arise between uh, two nations that are radically different, for instance, uh, goblins and humans. Uh, but how, how is that going to, like, could there ever be a time where we get two dwarven civilizations fighting each other in in world generation uh, over like um real kind of events like over um insults or over uh maybe jealousy or something like that 
Yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot of different ways that that could happen. So so I mean, kind of the to to, to look down at the basics. I mean, a lot of things say a resource struggle, um, but that's not that's not a personality conflict so much. And uh, then then getting up to the the thing right like right now there are they 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 bump into each other to do like a peace agreement or whatever, but it doesn't really simulate what happened there. So of course these kind of these kind of um, uh, like you know, if there's an argument at a at a meeting, that would certainly be a, a an avenue to to explore. Like like having having these these kind of trade agreements that they enter into like every five years or something. They have some kind of big big um, big uh, council or whatever kind of decide something or whatever. Then you could simulate that event, and of course, it's more interesting when things things go all wrong. So. <laughs> So if the if the I mean there might there might uh, I mean I prefer to keep running it as a as a simulation where it just randomly decides based on you know if those two people really disagree on what kind of cheese they like or something or really disagree on on just just ethical uh, notions or whatever to the point where they they'd have a lot of arguments then just having it occur at that point would be good rather than having it, like, say, there hasn't been a fight in this world for 10 years, so let's just start something. Because <laughs> the game could do that too, right? I mean, I'd like right. to lean away from that stuff, but but if a guiding hand is needed, um, well, I should probably just improve the simulation then because people fight all the time, but, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do what's necessary to keep the game interesting. So yeah, that's that's certainly that's certainly there, and 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 there's other things like 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 family should be a huge part of this. So you know if you if 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 someone um, marries into another civilization at one of these meetings or something like that, or is this kind of diplomatic marriage, then you could have all kinds of interesting um, push and pull on the numbers right. as for you know what's going to happen and. Again, it's just. I mean, could it matter. even be where you combine the two civilizations? Or yeah, doesn't? yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's. I mean, all of that, all of that's fair game right now, right? I mean, it's easier. It's always easier to break things than to, <laughs> to join them together. But, um, but, but, but it would. It, yeah, I mean, that, those things are fair, especially. I mean, because right now we just have the kind of conquering of civilizations, but they, it doesn't always have to be have to be such a violent violent matter. Um, so yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those things where you know it's you can add to it in increments, and every little bit that you add uh, just improves improves everything so much because it interacts with every other thing that's already there. So it right. shouldn't take. I mean, some people are already compelled enough by the world gen lists of of events to kind of you know pick through them for hours just looking through like to follow the history of of one. Um, one hero or another, right through right, just right. anybody, and so every little thing like this is going to be great. And so we're 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 really um, enthusiastic about getting to this stuff, which should happen pretty soon because after this release, which is you know who knows, right? But it's going to happen. Right. Uh, we're going to uh, do the three things I always talk about, right? It, you know, adventure skills, improved sieges, and then the top ten voting. So for improved sieges, you need to have armies moving around the map. That was kind of one of our requirements. I mean, it's not a strict requirement, like you could just improve the sieges. But in order for them to make sense, they need to be coming from someplace. And the, and we're going to want the, to them to come from, like, real historical figures more so than they already do with the commanders. And for that, so for that to work out, the, the, the civilization needs to know where to pull them from and so on. And also just to, to increase our, um, the overall interest in our world, we're going to need to do that motivation stuff right there. Uh, at least you know enough pieces of it 
to make some sense out of things, to have the armies moving on the world map, having them come from places and so on. And so when they decide to attack you, we're going to, you know, step that up from just being a random event that occurred. I mean, right now it's just like, it's uh, spring and flip the coin and did you get it? Oh, well, that's too bad. Goblin attack or whatever, right? It's, it's like there's nothing going on there, nothing at all. So the more we put in there, you know, we, you put it into dwarf mode, you put it into world generation, and uh, eventually adventure mode starts to see some of this as well. And it'll it'll just get better and better. And hopefully, um, now that I've done so much of it, there'll be less like like fussing around with you know what it what tissues make up um, the toe than. Okay. Um, having having some more sweeping world generation changes. I mean, well, I'm, I'm very excited to see some kind of generation of story where it might just arbitrarily pick, you know, what characters to follow, but maybe it picks a group of characters that has a particularly violent or interesting story, you know, that involves marriage and betrayal and you know and and uh, War and that might just stick it all together and and give you uh, you know stories from the histories. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because because I mean the the easy ones to do or the easy ones to pick are like leaders or whatever. So you could do like those old Roman histories or uh, Greek histories. Um, sure. Like well, who is it? Suetonius or whatever the twelve Caesars. Um, I, I really don't remember. I mean, it's more my brother's thing, but <laughs> I think I don't know if it was Suetonius or not. But it's basically just just a a, a history of each Roman emperor uh, before before that guy's time. Right. Uh, and and so just th- those kind of things. I mean, that, that these are kind of the um, the the pie in the sky end goals of the game would be for you to generate a world, and then you're just walking around adventure mode or something, and you can go to a to some kind of um, a library or something like a monastery or whatever, and and pick up a book, and it just would say like you know the history of of the whatever empire for the past 200 years and it would just be like the 12 caesars you could just read about this guy and what <laughs> happened and so on and the prose would be decent and all this kind of stuff and that would be that would be just be awesome and we're we're just we're just pointing toward that we're uh, you know getting there seems like a like a difficult thing but we're we're pointing toward that and so what what you're saying though is 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 really interesting because you know what what when you've got those 10,000 people what people have to do now is kind of fish around for the interesting ones. Right. So you could have the computer just just kind of look at a guy and be like, these are the you know 50 associated historical events, and some of those are more interesting than others, right? And right. and when you've got the really dramatic ones, when when it's some some great change in the person's life or or uh, something that has something to do with other important people or whatever. Then you could just increase some kind of value number for that. And then at the end, you know, when you're in legends mode, you know, before we get to writing books even, uh, themselves, when you're just in legends mode, which is kind of our, our, uh, not having books mode. <laughs> it's like legends mode might not even need to exist so much if you've got robust histories to look at in the world. I mean, you probably still want something like that around, but, uh, in any case, you it could you could just be you could just tell the computer like you know show me the top ten most interesting people that weren't a noble or whatever exactly yeah and then just be like bam well what about what about uh you know this guy it's like he was a trapper until you know bears came and destroyed his apartment no just his his log cabin rather not his apartment that's <laughs> not thinking about this place being destroyed by bears and then he you know he had to wander the woods subsisting on berries until he stumbled into a dragon's cave and then they became best friends and he started riding the dragon. And they took to the skies and went north, and you know he he you know just started finding all the uh, the Arctic hair 
men up there and led an <laughs> army of animal people against the dwarves or something like that. Uh, of course, he'd be a noble at that point if he's leading things. But 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 uh, <laughs> uh, let's say that last part didn't happen. It'd still be an interesting story, riding a dragon around. Um, yeah. So so yeah, no, that kind of thing. And it's and it's and it, the 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 detection shouldn't be that hard to do. The the actual production of the stories is hard, but just going through a list of events and assigning importance is something it already does. Right. Um, but it mainly does that just so your dwarves know what to engrave or whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, but so so we're yeah we're slowly getting there. But I, yeah, I think I think it'd be awesome because that's I why mean, you don't have an engraving of Ursmic dwarf eating a mushroom. <laughs> well, some I guess you do when they really like. I mean, you get those guys that carve cheese in everyone's room or whatever. <laughs> that's just because that dwarf has problems himself. Uh, so so uh, the um, it's very cheesy. But it it should be cool. It should yeah it should be cool, and that's what we're shooting for. I mean, ideally, everyone would have a kind of interesting life. I mean, that's what you hope out of real life, right? right. Um, you know, you've got you've got you know you can, uh, but you can't always guarantee that um, when you've got you know memory constraints and so on. Like you know, some guys are just gonna sit there <laughs> for sixty years and it's gonna be like this was a fisher dwarf, and he got married, and um, then that was it. Uh, and, and, you know, the marriage is really more to keep world gen going than to give the dwarf anything particularly to be happy about. Well, of course, you know, you could do kind of this, um, process of generating a, a false history for him once you look closely at him. Yeah, yeah, we've, we, yeah, there have been discussions about, about that and the, the, the difficulties <laughs> that can arise. Cause, yeah, yeah, I think we might have, I don't remember if we discussed this before cause I just yammer on about things. But uh, one of the ideas is to um, to have the civilizations remember important historical events to kind of give the people that live there that are completely unimportant a place to hang their hat when you talk to them. And then the more your player uh, interacts with somebody, maybe even through Legends mode, then the more it can kind of flush them out. But you've got to you've got to watch out for generating events in the past that didn't happen. Right. In, in the world generation, or else you're just going to tie yourself in knots and have inconsistencies um, all through. So, um, I mean, world gen is, is is really fascinating. I mean, I. It's really captured the imagination of the entire community and, and, and me as well. And um, what is the most exciting thing to you about WorldGen? It's is really really the um, the things we've been talking about are definitely the. I mean, they're the, the yeah. They're, I, I I think it would just be great to to have it have the the people actually thinking about stuff. That's really way up there for me because the uh that shoots the the kind of replayability, immersion, all that kind of thing through the roof that'll actually, you know, allow me to play my own game, which is one of those things I was always shooting for. Uh right. to actually be able to jump in there and and see, you know, people thinking about things or when you're an adventurer going and talking to someone and they're actually They've got some some place in the world that isn't like you know I'm sitting in this chair and you're going to go kill a dragon for me, and that's how they are right now. Right. And, and then when when the threats around their town are eliminated, they're like, oh no, we're it's great here. We're you know we're fine. <laughs> I got nothing else I need to do. And you know even though you know as an adventurer who's kind of this this psychotic thrill seeker or whatever, you're throwing yourself at this guy's feet to do whatever he wants to do, and he's just like eh, you know. 
<laughs> you know, we just sit here and eat food out of our magic barrels. It's, it's a very nice place our masters have set up for us, and we're going to continue eating out of our magic barrels. Well, what they should be saying is, hey, you know, I've, I've got a, a number of weeds in my garden. Would you mind taking care of that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you could go elsewhere, I guess. But, 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 I mean, they should, they, yeah, I mean, they should have, they should, I mean, if, if, if they, if you're the guy who killed the dragons around there, then they, you know, an ambitious one might say, you know, you know, we could go places together. And there's this next community over there. And, you know, we've been kind of friendly with them for a while, but I'd much rather, you know, have them be my subjects or something. And then, <laughs> then you can make decisions, you know, you can make decisions about, right. you know, whether or not that's the kind of guy that you want to associate with. I mean, there should, I mean, it'd be great if we got some gray areas in there, which, you know, are going to develop. And when you've got conflicts in the world where people all want stuff that all steps on each other's toes and there's no, like, these are the bad demons that want to destroy the world and these are the people that were otherwise just going to be sitting farming, but then the bad demons came and now they're not anymore. And, you know, which side do you want to be on? Uh, yeah. <laughs> instead, of, instead of that, uh, you know, just having having that kind of thing uh, where where you've got a bunch of actors that yeah. want their own thing. That's that's really, I mean, it's one of the things we've been shooting for for a very, very long time. So, that's, I mean, among world generation topics, um, you know, that's that's the most exciting to me. And, and especially when you get down to, like, subgroups. We didn't talk about things like guilds and religions and um, right. all that kind of thing. When you've got, I mean, another fascinating thing, I mean, I talked about how a guy might, you know, have a conflict with another guy, a guy might have a conflict with a subordinate, and a guy might have internal conflicts about, like, his family or his hometown or whatever. But really, the one of the big things here is when a single uh, person has conflicts, not just with their family, but also, you know, their professional organization, their religion, their town, and their civilization or something. When you get all those things acting together, you know, when you've got a leader who's also a member of a secret cult, but you know, their their loyalty to the cult isn't absolute, then you've got some real tearing inside of that person, especially when things start going haywire uh, in the world at large. And it, it should it should be, you know, extremely fascinating to, oh, to yeah. watch that stuff play out. I'm really, really looking forward to that. What, 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 it would be also interesting, I mean, also it was really interesting too, I'm sure, if you start getting some characters that are deeply flawed and conflicted about just life in general, you know, so... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm hoping that when when we put in these goals, I mean, right now a person's character flaws. What what's the worst character flaw a person can have in Dwarf Fortress right now? Is like they they're get really lazy. angry. Yeah, they're get really angry, or they're really lazy, or something. It's it's kind of these <laughs> these character flaws that are just sort of um, you know very generic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like seven seven deadly sins out of control or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but not you know not to the point where I mean it's just like really slothful, really lazy or whatever you know, and or or really angry. They just can't keep it in, and they start throwing barrels at people or whatever when they get angry about their food being rotten or whatever and uh, it, it so so there's nothing really insidious though right I mean there's nothing there's nothing or nothing that's a flaw that's really you know interesting at all <laughs> it's just just you know watching the id out of control or whatever it's no fun right. uh, so so uh, yeah I mean looking looking forward to that I mean I've been I've been going online and looking at like different you know characterization like how you know interesting novel character type things to try and figure out what traits need to be applied to a dwarf fortress character to make them more interesting like what what different kinds of characterizations and stuff and we've got we got a bunch of crap written down which is kind of like the things we've been talking about and the more of that that can go in the game and have an actual effect um the better i think so yeah yeah what are you doing up here mr cat you're just well, trying let's 
here. Let's make a, a transition then. All right. Um, let's talk about in a second. Let's go on to talk about um, our loser, which it, which was uh, not scamps, of course. Scamps no, scamps always a winner. Scamps is a winner. Well, I'm a winner by not getting mauled, so I'm glad that was number three. Yeah, that's gonna happen. Yeah. Anyway, he's been good though. He's been pretty good this episode. Um, he's in the room now, standing on top of his little cave, just kind of smelling the wall. Sometimes he just stands up on the wall and puts both of his paws on the wall and just smells the wall. <laughs> Don't ask me. Right now he's smelling the camera cable because I, I dug that out to put the pictures of, of uh, the meetup and him in his little hat uh, on the desk. So now he's which, he's which will should be online right now. Guys, go run and check on it. Yeah, yeah, you should. Yeah, this is, it was like. Going into the future. That's what <laughs> we're talking about. Yeah, we're, into we're the talk, future. yeah, into the future. Because right now it's not the future. How you so miss that? what we're going to talk about next is the trades. The Stay trades. Tuned. That's right. The trades. Stay tuned. Seeker here. I'm actually um, interrupting my own podcast with myself. Um, two things. First thing is this next portion of the podcast is filled with clicks that are inexplicable. And I've done the best to eliminate them, but my software hasn't been too kind to me. On the good side, it's just for about three minutes, so suffer through it. And I'm not sure, but there might be more. Um, second thing, don't forget to get on the website and support Tarn. He puts a lot of effort into programming this game for us all. And uh, if you enjoy the game as much as I do, please drop a couple bucks in the PayPal jar. Thanks. Back to the podcast. So um, we're back with more Dwarf Fortress talk. I'm your host, Rainseeker, and with Tarn Adams here. That's right, Tarn Adams and his cat, little Mr. Baby Scamps. Super Scamps? Yeah, Super Scamps, biting, chewing wires as usual. Yeah. Ah, bite. And this segment of the show, we're going to address, maybe not totally uh, attack it, but we will address to a certain degree um, the trades. The trades. That means... Um, cheese making and and weapon smithing, <laughs> um, soap making, and all that great stuff. Right, all the important trades. Important trades. <laughs> um, now, let me ask you a kind of historical question about Dwarf Fortress. Uh, was this always on the agenda to have trades in Dwarf Fortress? Yeah, yeah. We, the the original idea for the game before it became our main fantasy game. It it was its own little thing, its own little project, and the idea was that you you dig into the the mountain and you'd you'd um, you'd die, and then an adventurer would come in and check out like um, the crap that you made. And so in that simple plan there, 
the crap that you made <laughs> is what led to this whole idea of, you know, oh, we're going to have, you know, they're going to make little goblets and things, and they'll need to make little swords and things, and they'll need to have all kinds of stuff. And so the diversity of the crafts really came about from this original idea. So even before this was our, our main game, uh, we were going to have quite a bit of diversity in the trades. And um, it was it was going to be also important to uh, even trading with a caravan, like trading out your your goblets and and soap and so on. Uh, trading it out with the caravan was going to be a way to also. Uh, the, I mean, the simple game idea had your your basically your high score list was the stuff that your adventurer found in your yeah. fortress after you lost. But also you were going to be able to to get some some small points on your high score list by trading things out. So that was that was another another way that um, the different the different things that dwarves did, having a diversity there was going to improve improve the quality of the um, of the high score list and um, so it it really just you know ballooned out from there and especially once it became our our main project then you know now anything's allowed <laughs> right anything at all that isn't you know the 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 things that we we generally don't give the thumbs up to like the the steam and nuclear power and stuff like that. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, I think this is one of the ways I have the most fun in with this game is um, making things, and I had a lot of fun, particularly when I went to a desert and uh, found a magma pool and decided to make glass, just tons <laughs> and tons of glass. I had like ten glass refineries or kilns, I guess, and. Uh, um, just made tons of it and, um, then started building a glass fortress, um, <laughs> because, you know, it's an unlimited resource. So is that, is that ever a plan of yours to make a sand pile, uh, uh limited? So, yeah, there's, there's this, there's this notion of sand as a fluid, I think, that, that, that's kind of intriguing. Like, like, if you, have a bunch of sand leaning up against a rock wall, and you remove the rock wall, the sand does not retain its shape, right? <laughs> It'll just kind of flow into sure. the, the cavern. And so it would be really cool if it could be made into a fluid like that that behaves kind of like lava does now, making just la – because lava makes more slopes. It doesn't worry about fluid pressure and all that kind of thing. Right. And it would be cool if – if the if the sand could do it could move like that, but at the same time you could still walk or even build on it or whatever you need to do. Right. And in that way, it would become a limited resource because when you scoop up some, it would just remove a unit of sand from the square. And uh, snow has a similar thing. Right now, though, it's um, it's it's it, it depends not just on the fluid re rewrite, which is going to allow us to support more fluid types at once, but also the notion that this is a very special fluid that can be walked on and and all right. that. And at the same time, I mean, so you'd be pathfinding over it and so on. And at the same time, it would be able to flow. <laughs> so it's a right. it's, it's well, one of those things. Like, is this an insurmountable problem? You know, it might, <laughs> it might be. You know, it might be one of those things that's very very difficult to do. Well, which would make it actually very difficult to build, especially if you, someone decided to build on a sand dune. Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that should be hard, but but you could right. still like pitch a tent there or something, and then that tent should just fall over if you if you get swept if you like drain the sand into a giant sinkhole or something. Well, I'm thinking people build pillars, you know, to support things, and so if someone built a pillar on a sand dune which, with that shifted that thing should fall over and that should be really, you know, interesting to do. So Yeah, yeah. So hopefully hopefully that that's what's one of those things that's very difficult, but 
you'd, you'd ideally want sand to have those additional properties. There's a lot of limitations right now on, on what you can do and on how customized you can make uh, every item. Are, are you planning on allowing people to uh, maybe create a template of an item that they want to create and then tell people to keep creating that same thing? And, um, you know, like you want to, for instance, create a goblet with that is uh, encrusted with diamonds and uh, has an image of an elephant slaying a dwarf. On it. Yeah, I mean, especially if that's like the insignia of your group or whatever, right? right. I mean, right. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, there's, there's this, there's this, um, there, there, there are a few limitations, um, uh, that, that are game based. I mean, most of it is, I mean, like design based. Most of the limitations are just, just come from, uh, you know how the how the jobs are stored right now, and I'd have to rewrite quite a bit to get them to think more about things, and 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 just writing interfaces is always irritating. But I, I ideally, yeah, I mean, I'd like I'd like you to be able to do a lot more things. I mean, if you have a dwarf pumping those things out, maybe he'll get irritated, right? <laughs> it's like you know he doesn't get to realize his dreams anymore and do whatever the heck he wants. But but just just having some kind of work order where you where you have the goblet and then do these things to it and make the goblet out of this material, and if the goblin is and at least finally crafted to just melt it down again or something. Right. And just, you know, get get these things built and then we're going to build 10 of them and then, you know, do whatever. It would be yeah, it'd be great to allow people to do do things like that, especially because I mean, with with statues now, the the dwarves can carve these statues that look like things now. But what they look like is really up to the dwarf right now. So they're just kind of like, you know, so if, I mean, it's understandable to allow, you know, like Michelangelo or, or whatever to, to make the statue they want, right? But even, even, even those kind of people had, had to, you know, commission jobs. And, you know, especially if it's like, I want the, you know, the 10 previous rulers of my civilization I want statues of them so I can line the great hall with them or something. Yeah, that'd be I mean, blast. that'd be, be awesome, right? And it's not something where you're like, well, I want to carve a big cheese today, sorry. <laughs> and so you've got like ten great cheese statues for your great <laughs> hall or whatever, and uh, I want to make clouds. Yeah, clouds, cloud statues or, or dwarves uh, surrounded by plump helmets or whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's it's amusing for a while, but then you know you want to allow the the kind of additional control as well. Well, and that, yeah, that, yeah, that awesome. goes for all the. Hmm? You want awesomeness. Awomeness, yeah, awesomeness is good. Silliness. Yeah, yeah, silly. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, we are. I mean, our my brother and I always are always kind of anti-zany in a lot of ways. Um, even though a lot of zaniness kind of kind of dwar- jumps up in Dwarf Fortress, we're usually against like throwing in, you know, a monster that has you know big green boots and he's called you know the the happy green monster monster and he has a laser gun or something just because it's silly. Right. You know, just kind of randomly silly. Um, it's just not not the direction we wanted to take the thing. But at the same time, uh, we're there. <laughs> when I know. It comes I mean, to come the on, a, a dwarf <laughs> smashing a uh, a bridge that he's already walking on. I mean, come well, on. yeah, yeah. That that's 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 kind of this this emergent zaniness. And then we've got <laughs> things which is zaniness that you would call zaniness by design, by like these statues. Right. I mean, the statues are goofy. The engravings are goofy. But there's something good about them. And and allowing the dwarves, like if you don't specify what you want them to do, then of course they're going to go on their little flights of fantasy. These little goofy guys, but. But if you uh, if you tell them what to do, they shouldn't be that pissed off about it. I mean, there might be times when 
a particular dwarf, you know, would grumble at that kind of thing, and you know, it might pop up a little warning. It's like he's been making these goblets, and he's made two hundred of them, and it's making him a little <laughs> depressed about his life. Um, and you know, then you might have to do something about it. But yeah, I'm all for giving the player more control there. I mean, they can already carve out the rooms they want and place the furniture where they want and stuff. So letting them, you know, especially because this it doesn't even fall under the level of micromanagement, right? I mean, micromanagement is usually what people refer to when they're when they when it's something that sucks about a game that you have to fiddle with right i mean it's right. like it's like you know having to do having to place the furniture when you don't care anymore um and right. but but you know being able to design the sword or statue yeah i want i want design. 20 obsidian swords with red handles darn it yeah yeah especially because you i mean it's gotten to the point now where you can tell your squad to to carry those kind of things i mean so you can right. do that in your squad and i can be like i want you to have obsidian swords um, but if you didn't have the control to make obsidian swords, that would be a very frustrating system. And right. there are things right now about the squad system, I think, that are where you can specify the squad uniform more than you can actually specify it in a workshop. <laughs> and that's 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 where we're starting to have a breakdown disconnect there. So uh, obviously the um, the specifications uh, in the workshops have to come. And I believe, which I'm going to go check right now on the website, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the eternal suggestion voting has turned that up as well, right? I don't know if you remember off the top of your head. No, I haven't looked at it in a long time. Yeah, I haven't looked at it for a while either. Let's see how things are doing. Uh, improved hauling still, super standing production orders, worktop material, let me try this again. Number three, workshop material selection. Oh, yeah. And so workshop material selection basically falls under this umbrella, right? It's like, mm. you know, people yeah. want to be able to make what they want to make. It's number three on the list right now. It's beating graphics and, and, and beating, <laughs> beating pathfinding, you know? Yeah, it's uh, fun. So that's that that stuff. Um, that's obviously it's gonna, fun. Yeah, it's going to get dealt with sometime then, um, because I, I mean I'm not saying that I'm going to do the top ten in order or whatever. You know, I don't want to commit to right. to to something that's going to going to maybe impossible to do things in order all the time. But uh, it's you know it's not like when 400 people say they want something and the thing that they want is something you want too, right? <laughs> it's like right. that's cool. It's all good. Everything aligns like the stars and stuff. So we'll be um, we'll be there we'll be there we just need to get through this this horrible horrible release cycle and then this horrible release cycle will be over and everyone will be happy. As a matter of fact, let's let's move away from talking about the trades and talk about the re- the release cycle. <laughs> Since you brought it up, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stepped right in a big steaming pile of crap. <laughs> How are we looking at the Christmas release? Huh, it's a depressing, depressing thing. Now, I could... It's like one of those things where it's possible, <laughs> but it's it's possible in the meaning of the word, right? <laughs> where right. if something is 1% likely, it's still possible. It, 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 it would take some... It would take a lot of luck, basically, at this point, which doesn't seem to happen to me very often with, with bugs and things. Because if I don't... If I don't get caught up and tied in a lot of things, like, like this doesn't work and I have to fix it for a day, you know? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing happens all the time. And so if I don't step in a lot of those traps and have a lot of trouble working things through, it's still possible. But I'm thinking right now that, that um, we're just not going to be lucky people. And it's not going to happen because there's there's such a big list of things to do. I talked about this in the thread, right? It's like, yeah. you know, at the time I had like 70 days, 
and I looked at the list. I'm like, that's not really a 70 day list anymore. You know, I, it's, it's, uh, everything's taken longer than I thought at all. It's always that way. And especially when I start giving, you know, optimistic, you know, release date things and then I'm wrong over and over and people call me out and start yelling at me or whatever, you know, it makes me want to not do it anymore. But, um, at the same time, you know, I'd like to, I mean, I'd, I'd prefer not to be somebody who also is just like, well, it's ready once ready. Um, yeah. You know, I'd like to, I'd like to, to, to give people kind of the, the rundown there. And so the rundown is that, uh, caves, I've spent more time on that than I thought I would. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but it, it's pushed things a little bit later. I'm pretty sure I can finish off the, uh, entity position and squad stuff, especially if I cut things like formations. Uh, I'm pretty sure I can finish that in November. That's kind of be, gonna be the goal is to finish that stuff in November. There are a few large items there that are not really put offable, like guards that are just completely busted right now in bad ways. And that's gonna be the, that's gonna be the trick uh, to, to getting entities and squads done is going to be getting that through. So that's another thing where I can't, you know, I can't promise I'll be done in November with that stuff. And, you know, that's going to determine a lot of the release date. But if I get through that, then December was just going to be a mess of cleanup, like doing butchery, because right now it doesn't understand how to read through their bodies to get, like, the amount of fat that comes out of a particularly fat dead creature or something, right? I mean, because there's a lot of cool things, like a big fat dwarf, if, a, if, a, if, if, you, if you decided to skin a dwarf. Um, a big fat dwarf would give you more fat than a that for more candles and stuff than a little skinny dwarf and or a walrus or whatever right uh and so that i mean that's all going to be cool but it all needs to be done and there's really no other way to do it now that i've got these bodies unless i just you know stick with the uh, hard-coded tags that i had before but in a sense i can't really do that either i mean and there's things like the hydra problems like if you chopped off a couple of hydra's heads you would not want seven skulls instead of five People insist on the five skulls, and I insist on the five skulls, so I, I'm probably not going to put that kind of consideration off. Uh, and so, you know, getting through that, all that mess in December and a lot of tests, and because it's like even though every time I've waited like a year to release the game, I release the game, then there's some giant bug, like <laughs> like the dwarves never waking up from being asleep or whatever. <laughs> and the other one had the Civil War bug, where if your sheriff arrested somebody and beated them, beat, beat it, beat them, then the whole uh, the whole fortress you know broke out in a civil war what? like 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 because because when, that one. I, because I, I when, it, when a sheriff that one. when a sheriff hits another dwarf it didn't treat it like a law action it treated it like an attack but since they they were both part of the same civilization the <laughs> it it recorded the sheriff as an enemy of that civilization now but since he was also a friend of the civilization you know when they hit him back you know that records another enemy thing and then Anyone who attacks those guys for being enemies also records that they're an enemy or whatever, and it just breaks out, you know, into this giant mess of people all hating each other or hating certain of each other and so on. And that was the find out that that was happening. Uh, it was like I released it, and then I don't remember if it was a few days later. People were just like, "What? What is going on here?" It's like my whole fortress just erupted in violence, and uh, and there, you know, eventually someone sent me a save or something, or someone observed the problem. It's been it's been a couple years, I think. So I don't recall exactly how it was fixed, but it just takes you know it just it just takes something 
simple like someone someone finding a sheriff doing it that blows it up and then sending you a save file or you have you have a hunch yourself and then you 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 set up a situation and get it fixed and that's easy to fix right it's one of those one line fixes or whatever but <laughs> then the then then the other release had the sleeping bug where people went to sleep and they just never woke up and, and starved to death right so <laughs> yeah 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 it was it was so it was so so um that, that was just another one where don't, I don't fall asleep. No, yeah. it's not to your mind. <laughs> yes, it was. It was one of those things where you've been testing and testing and testing, because most of the features for that release didn't have big bugs. I mean, it was all working. And then I tweaked something about sleep at the end for the rest jobs for like when they're damaged or whatever. And then I didn't run a full game after that. I mean, I tweaked that thing like a couple weeks before, and I was like, I've already run a bunch of full games. I don't need to run another full game. So I never got to the point where my dwarves needed to go to sleep and then w- woke up. Uh, so I never played for like a whole two seasons or season or whatever. Right. And so I just didn't notice. And then I released it and people are like, what is this oversight? You know, <laughs> what is this? And, and so I mean, it's, it's a thing that's way easier to happen than you think. So, so, yeah. um, uh, especially, you know, when I'm in a situation where I can just release the next week instead of having to worry about, you know, going through some kind of patch kind of, uh, two month process or something to get something up. And, uh, so, so the, uh, the 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 release this time I've got a lot of tests I want to do to make it at least to the point where there's only going to be a few of those giant showstoppers or whatever right so I mean I do I do more testing than people think um, because you know even though those bugs appeared you know what would have happened if I didn't test the amount I did would have been even worse so so there's there's a lot of that to do in December I just have a list of things where it's like you know check this out 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 and it's just going to take some time to get through that and that's 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 what it comes down to now there's there's finishing off the caves which is which is kind of hard because you always want to do more with them but that's what I'm trying to do now for the next several days in October and it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like I'm going to quite finish and uh that means that uh, I'm still going to put that out because I kind of want November to be the entities and squads get greened out month, right? Right. Um, but then I go back. That means in December I go back to the caves before I get to my tests. And then, you know, are we going to see January? That's what I'm thinking is getting more likely now, right, is is that we're going to get into January. And then if we get into February, it wouldn't shock me, right? If we get into March, well, you know, <laughs> that's just sad. It's yeah, uh, no, what do you think happened? I mean, why... why... Did this end up taking? Uh, what was this? When did you last release? Uh, September. Like, so what, why why did it take uh, over a year to release? I mean, normally you were releasing every what, like four months or so. Or uh, it's been so random, right? There have been nine month breaks. There have been months where I released, you know, ten times. <laughs> it's like right. it's 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 just. I mean, this time I I I in down in the under carcass of the game. With the um, materials and tissues and combat stuff and and all that, it it had more ramifications. Not more than I thought, but they're taking longer than I thought. Right. Uh, to get through every single ramification, and then add on top of that the underground, the squads, and and I also threw in like I didn't need to do the entity position rewrite specifically here, but I wanted to do it for squads. So I mean, you guess you can count entity position rewrites with squads. So there's there's what three things then, and I'm of course missing. So there's like healthcare too. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, just looking at that list, it's it's getting to be like you know, well, there's a lot of things there, and I would have had to have cut out a great swath of things. It's like 
I kind of made a, a foolish promise to myself, I think, that I wanted to get squads done this release because I've been saying for years that I wanted to do the army arc and hadn't done a thing. Mm. And now squads is a huge step forward on the army arc. So I've done something now. <laughs> right. It's like I've done something, but it took, you know, all that extra time on top of, you know, it's going to end up of taking four months or something. And then the materials tissue crap ended up taking six months. And then you have the underground on top of that, which is probably taken three months now. And healthcare took a couple months with Venom and so on as well. And when you add all that up, you probably get up to what we're at now, which is 13 months. I guess our message here, Tarn, right, is that don't be discouraged. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I mean, I have that way in the back of my head, right, that we're doing all right. This is all really cool. And I'm happy with how it's going. But, but um, yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things where everyone else has to be uh, – not everyone, but, but a great number of people have to be on board with the awesome too – for such a long period of time isn't really fair to them, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I shouldn't ask people, you know, to to bear with the awesome for 15 months or bear with the lack of awesome for 15 months or something, which is what's end up gonna end up happening, and then you know, then have them, you know, support me all through that period uh, is is not reasonable. So um, yeah, so I don't want to I don't want to force people to support the awesome, but it's going to be a few more months of void yeah. awesomelessness <laughs> but well we're, i'm still going to be producing these podcasts and so that should be a little thing to tide us over in the meantime and hear your the sultry sound of your voice yes yes that's right you know i never yeah i never tried to pick no one up over the radio before let's uh <laughs> <come into> fortress <laughs> i just sound creepy <laughs> yeah 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 all right yeah maybe Come to Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> yes. So um, I, I would like to <laughs> let's transition. Let's uh, yeah yeah transition well away well away from that crap. Um, let, let's talk about um, questions. Questions. Uh, yeah, yeah. People have got questions, and uh, I trust uh, there won't be any repeats. I I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> This uh, third half of the show. Third half. That's right. It's the third half. For those of you who can do math. That's right. Um, 1.5. We are going to be talking about um, your questions, and we are addressing some questions we didn't get to last time. Um, and um, gosh, here's a silly one from from Uberfish. I guess this is the <laughs> yes or no question. Are there any plans for world domination via brainwashing techniques through Dwarf Fortress? So, so, world dumb. No, so this is not within the game. But is that my agenda? Is that what he's talking about? Yes. <laughs> is it? Are there any plans for it? Well, I mean, I guess the um, if you had to look, if you had to step back and look at the, you know, the overall goals and so on, um, then it's it's underway. Uh, you know, we've got a few fans that are quite enthusiastic. And, uh, you know, you might consider them brainwashed. I wouldn't say so. I mean, the people I've met that are enthusiastic all seem to continue to, to be able to work on in their lives and so on. And I don't think they'd take any orders from me that were, like, not still in their best interest. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I've, I've failed so far. But, I, I, you know, I want more people to like the game and stuff. 
and to tell their friends about it and everything. So, um, you know, once once everyone in the world is playing Dwarf Fortress, I guess we'd be there, you know, whether they're brainwashed or not. There you go. You know, I don't really know if that's what he actually meant. But, <laughs> yes. uh <laughs> I have no idea. He said through Dwarf Fortress. That's yeah, like that's... through Dwarf Fortress. So I think he, I think it's what we're talking about. I think okay. it really is all about that. Maybe so. So what he can consider his question answered then, which is cool. There, there you go. Um, I got a question from Mephansteros. That's right. Well, he's famous. Yeah, he or she is is a famous person. Oh really? Oh, oh yeah, always. Well, just always asking questions. Been around for a while, so. so yeah. Well, he he wants he or she wants to know: uh, Will the Mega Beasts use equipment or create objects? Yeah. So so yeah. Right now, of course, they they steal crap and drop it in their caves. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I'd like to think of I'd like to think that you know one of the reasons I think for Cyclops the Cyclops we have spheres for them that are like artifice or something I, I mean i don't recall off the top of my head but we were thinking of them in terms of of uh mythology and so if if they you know end up making things we'd be quite happy with that they're just they just need to have the problem right now is they've got no entity definition associated to, to themselves so they they don't see items mm. um right now the the people see items through their cultures and that's that's really the 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 only stumbling block. It was kind of the stumbling block that made the animal peoples in the caves boring for a segment here, and we had to take away their blowguns and so on because they didn't have a culture anymore. Mm-hmm. And now they've got cultures in the next version, so they'll be able to have their little blowguns and and riding riding animals again. And so the the cyclops is the same way, uh, and and I'm sure other other mega beasts as well. And it goes with things like mega beast diplomacy to some extent as well. So ultimately, yeah. I mean, we're talking about ultimate goals here, which of course is dangerous because you know you have so many, you're never going to get to them all. But uh, you know, I'd like that. Yeah, I'd like that having having the mega beast be more interesting in a lot of ways because right now it's just like they're they're like a target that bites back, um, which is kind of boring. Here's one from Dasleia, who has a very interesting anime. <laughs> Um, is it the famous one that he still has from a long time ago with the, the it's just creepy looking he's talking yeah yeah it's the same one yeah yeah it's creepy what the heck is that i don't there's a whole thread about it there's a whole thread about his creepiness <laughs> um, and i i don't remember if he revealed the source or not i think it's got shopped eyes or something i, I mean there's, there's quite a it's quite a story behind it but um it's scary it's scary okay. well here's his question or her question um if you could magically and instantly add one thing to Dwarf Fortress for no other reason than you'd love to see it in there, maybe it's even too hard to get in there. What what would you and Three Toe like to see in there? Yeah, that's always so hard, isn't it? Because you'd, you'd want to... Because um, one thing never really cuts it, right? I mean, right, but maybe it's yeah, one thing that's really yeah. hard. Yeah, well, I mean, the hardest things are always time travel and stuff, and that's that just needs a bigger disc. But uh, <laughs> and I'm not sure they really care about time travel that much. So, I mean, it's like one of those. Um, I mean, it'd be cool to get the the um, cool to get the fluids in there because I want giant lakes of blood and stuff, and 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 the, the all the sand and that kind of thing. But it, as with any favorites question, it always just comes back to what I was just thinking about like ten minutes ago. So uh I yeah, I'm absolutely horrible at these at these at these kind of questions. Uh, <laughs> you know, I just it's the worst thing in the world for me. Some people can like rattle off their favorite movies and colors and things, but 
I totally suck when it comes to that kind of thing. All right, how about I ask you something different then? Oh, you can ask me all kinds of questions, yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. Here's some something from Zolar. Zolar. Toady, what are your plans for mounts? And will you be able to ride mounts in adventure mode? Uh, absolutely, right? You have to you have to ride mounts in adventure mode or or um that's just tragic and sad because there's so many stories that go with mounts and things that I think it would be it's imperative to have them now. Um, as far as approaching approaching the the and 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 well, I mean, talk about dwarves too, right? I mean, I don't I don't personally think of dwarves as a as a as a mount mount mounting people, <laughs> but I know some people want but to. They're mountain people. Yeah. yeah. Oh no. Sorry. Oh no. Oh no. I don't have a cave to hide in. <laughs> oh no, but but uh, there's a garbage can. I can put my head in there, I guess. But the but the, uh, the, uh, the um, there are mods though, right? So you still right. want to kind of support things, and you know some people are going to want to have their their dwarves riding around little mountain goats and things. Yeah, sure. Yeah, mountain, yeah, goat yeah, mountain goat dwarves, and um, it's 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 so it's something that that I'd want to support there too. Now, as far as I, I don't know much about it. In general, you know what what what's the story with the saddle? You know, people talk about stirrups all the time as like, you know, did they change history or whatever, right? So <laughs> uh, there's you know that kind of thing, and and I'd I'd like to go through it methodically as usual and just kind of look at what the questions are there. Now that doesn't mean that we're gonna have to answer all those questions before you can hop on a horse or something in adventure mode, but that's that's how I'd look at it. And then you know there there have been uh, games I think like Mountain Blade that have addressed um, horse-based combat pretty well or mounted combat pretty well, and uh, from what I remember, I mean, my brother my brother plays that, and um, you know as far as you know making sure that that we we give it a kind of similar respectful treatment, you know, uh, in terms of charging and and. You know, you know the effect of a mounted weapon. You know the fact that you don't really, you know, you don't even necessarily have to swing your weapon because you're hitting him in the face with something that's moving as fast as the horse or whatever, right? Um, all kinds of things like that 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 come up. Um, you know, it's it's more difficult in a tile-based environment, but I think you can still convey some of the the some of the similar uh, properties there. Um, like velocity and the fact that you can't stop immediately. We were going to do that with running, right? We were thinking about being able to run, but the fact that you could stop on a dime then, mm-hmm. um, things like that that that, that come up. Um, right now we just have that kind of hacked in with a charging system mm. where you charge into people and then you can charge past people or whatever. Uh, you see it more in adventure mode. It's happening in dwarf mode too, but you see it more in adventure mode. Um, and... So, so in terms of mounts, and and then there's the matter of of taking care of your mount, like you know, would you have to feed your horse and and all that? I mean, currently you don't feed animals in dwarf mode, but in adventure mode, it seems likely that you'd want to you know have to take care of your horse and so on. And it'd be cool if you could also have pets, uh, including the horse, but just pets in general, and taking care of your pets and having little pet antics and things. Of course, I'm fond of pets, um, violent cats in, included. Uh, so I think, um, uh, well, I must, uh, must have been an answer to the question somewhere. But... <laughs> Thank you, Dad. <laughs> Here's a question from Zway. Zway. Do you get hate mail? Uh, no, not really. Um, there have been instances where people were, say, moderated. 
mm-hmm. where then that person would then tell us what they thought of the moderation, what they thought of us in general, and how it made us tyrannical and evil and so on. Mm. But I'm not sure if that counts as hate mail because, I mean, is hate mail hate mail is not generally over a uh, something that happened between you and that person, right? Hate mail is more like they don't they just don't like the game. Or they, they don't, don't like. They don't agree some, with your position on something. Yeah, they don't like something I said in Dwarf Talk or Dwarf Fortress Talk or whatever, and and they're like, well, you know, I'm going to tell you about that and about how much you suck, and so on. <laughs> that really hasn't happened. I can't think of a single time where where someone is just out of the blue, you know, unless you count like just people talking shit on IRC for no reason or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, or coming on our forums and being idiots about it, but a personal message sent to me via email or via snail mail, there hasn't been anything like that. It's been it's been good. It's been really good. And, and you know, on the flip side of that, there's been a lot of positive messages that people have sent. So so far, it's been very cool. I mean, I'm I'm glad that uh, um, that it's been that way. I mean, I guess there have been there have been people who say like, you know, I wish you'd do this with the interface and that kind of thing. It's not hate mail. It's just constructive criticism. And so far, I mean, I guess that's the main avenue then where we might get some hate mail later on. (laughs) It's like, you know, after another year, there's no graphics or something. And then, you know, people might eventually snap. I think it, you know, but, but so far, you know, if, if, if hate mail like gauges my, my, you know, my ability to take a stand or my ability to really do something interesting, then I've completely failed. (laughs) Because <laughs> this hasn't happened yet. Here's a question from DG. Will the arrival of a merchant once per year no longer be guaranteed if or when the time it takes for them to arrive is determined by the distance and terrain between your fort and their starting point? Yeah, we were thinking of letting that one float uh, once we got the model up to the point where it worked well enough. <laughs> Uh, then we're just going to let it ride. Now, right now, the world is not so big that you can't, like, walk across it in, you know, what, what does it take in adventure mode? I think you can step 12 tiles in this a day. I, I really don't remember. if you're if, So if you're an adventurer and you can go 12 tiles in a day, then even in a large world, you can go, you know, uh, what, like 20 or 22 something um, days to cross the entire world. And hmm. so if you take the, the caravan's time and up it up, up it up, up it up, that's great. Uh, if you shoot it up by like five times or something, mm-hmm. then it would still take a hundred days to cross the entire world. And if that's the case, then there shouldn't be problems with like not getting a dwarven caravan, uh, every year or something. Even if they stop at various cities, even if they stop at a city for like five days and move on, I mean, five days is nothing in dwarf mode time, right? I mean, mm-hmm. then they'll move to the next place and be shooting all over the world. And, then you'll um, so that 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 should work out well, especially if you can support you know s- several caravans at once, and you have something that ends up right. looking more like a bazaar or something out in front of your fortress. You know, people stop. There could even be local merchants from nearby villages or something like that that hang sure. there quite a bit, and and your own guys and and so on. So it can, it can be pretty cool, cool yeah. out there. And uh, yeah, it'd be pretty cool too if you your own guys were going to buy stuff from. From the yeah, yeah. I mean, right now it's just kind of this command and control. Uh, it's like send your guy over there where you're buying things for the fortress, and yeah. then but then you've got these own weird shops inside. I mean, the economy is so strangely developed in Dwarf Fortress. It really <laughs> just needs to be rooted out and thrown in a gutter and then worked on again. And uh, it's 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 and it's going to be. That's what the whole caravan arc is about. But um, I mean, really, the main problem with with time when we're talking about timing and so on it, is 
if you were to send out your own caravans or even your own armies, it's like the time it takes them to walk from the front of the fortress to the edge of the map, you can probably cross the whole world or something depressing. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's, I mean, the whole, the whole dwarf fortress time dilation is always going to be one of these big, um, thorns in the side of the game or whatever. It's always going to be a huge problem to uh, to deal with. And it's not a problem in adventure mode at all because adventure mode is moving at at the uh, the slowest time possible in the game. Right. So it's not a problem. And in dwarf mode, we're always going to have to figure out a way to fudge things. It's like if the wars are raging all over the place, and you know, over the course of a month, you know, someone could sweep through an entire province or something, then you know, how does that figure in with the fact that you could, you know, maybe get your squad off the screen in a month or whatever? It's, it's just sad. It's tragic, sad, bad. And it's not going to work very well without all kinds of, 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 like, when you're playing a fortress, it's just going to have to fake a lot of stuff. Not fake it, but just make the armies move slower on the world map, too, or something, right? So so right. history is going to have these kind of starts and stops and whatever. It's like, if if you always play one mode, you wouldn't notice, but if you play between fort mode and then adventure mode and fort mode and adventure mode, there's going to be these strange dynamics going on that's, that that are caused by the uh, the fort kind of molassesing the universe or whatever. And, uh, I mean, that's, it's okay. It's just one of those things. Cause you, I mean, you can't, you can't go the other way and say, I want fort mode to take as long as adventure mode because then you'll never see summer, you know, much less winter. Um, because it would just take way too long for that stuff to happen. I mean, right now, adventure mode, if you just walk, if you're walking, click, 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 you're going 72 times, um, slower than in, uh, fortress mode. So <laughs> you would need to dilate the game 72 times. Uh, which means that if you're used to a fort that lasts, you know, four years, then you should get used to a fort that lasts one month for that same experience. <laughs> and uh, that's 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 crazy, right? So well, no, yeah, that's mean, not exactly a month. About, but, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. this is all about fun, right? It's not yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about fun. So it's not fun for me, though. <laughs> I mean, right. I much. I mean, if if we're talking about not having uh, a good design, but just having an easy to program design. Uh, then it would be way easier to have everything work on the same time scale because I wouldn't have to worry about this stuff at all. However, it's just not possible. I mean, you have to have dwarf mode be a lot faster than the other modes. I think adventure mode doesn't really suffer from the same problems because um, you you don't care about time passing. Like, if you want to pass to the next winter, then you could just say, you know, sleep in this town for two months and just hang out here or whatever. I mean, there's not, there's not, there's not a huge problem with that. Uh, you don't want the time to pass. Like if you walked to another town and back, you don't want a year to have passed most of the time. Right. Um, and so you, you, the, you, the, just the slower mode works there. But with with the dwarves, yeah, there there are problems with that. But anyway, <laughs> it's not yeah. that I guess. Um, I have another question from DG that I liked. Um, do you have plans to allow the first seven dwarves to be chosen from a larger pool of dwarves, where which are actual world, world gen members of your chosen civilization? Uh, that was that was going to be um, an option at some point. I mean, like like we've been saying with this whole whole um, populations issue, the populations just aren't big enough in a way to to make that ultra satisfying so there were going to be those fake population pools and then you could you could pull your dwarves out of the fake population pool and then you know maybe have some more customization with them and so on and it also depends on the fate of this whole Oregon Trail style mode where you're actually doing the um 
the traveling <laughs> as well has a lot to do with that because then you'd you'd if you're picturing if you were uh, restricting yourself to to specific world gen dwarves you'd also want them all to come from the same site or you'd have to write a backstory for how one moved to a different site and came to leave from that one location or are they just all just kind of meeting up at the destination and one of them brought the wagon and the others walked or something um, so there's 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 a lot of issues there but we'd like to at least you know tie it in more closely with the with the given civilization that you're you're starting from or if you want to choose an option that's like play now from the adventure mode uh, then you you'd you'd be not linked to a civilization and just coming in you know uh, just as generated dwarves off from the edge of the map or something. But in that case, you'd have no ties, which would be <laughs> kind of weird for the caravans and stuff. I mean, so right. so so it's it's generally good to be from somewhere. Um, but whether or not that's going to be world gen dwarves is going to kind of depend on these fake populations, how well they work. And then what restrictions there are on picking your dwarves. I mean, if you pick seven dwarves that happen to be important to a different city, then um, that's going to be really weird. <laughs> like, yeah, the mayor and, you know, half the guard, <laughs> half the guard of the town just decided to pick up and they were getting tired of this giant <laughs> attacking the town all the time. So the mayor and all the guards left to go found a new fortress. And then, the you know, the week later, the giant destroys the city or something. So I mean, it, it's that would that would be the kind of thing. Of course, that's kind of a funny story. So I think uh, I mean, there's something to be said for for allowing that, like allowing you to make the mayor go wanderlust crazy or something and decide <laughs> to found a new fortress for fun. But um, and the same thing goes for adventure mode, like starting as as a guide, like being able to assume control of any character in the universe is something that's reasonable. Uh, especially if you've got the parameters set for it. It's one of those things where you'd want to set up for parameters so you wouldn't be tempted. It's like allow control of any historical figure as an adventurer, yes. Because if you put yes there, I mean, it's like if you're if you're losing a war or something, then you might right. be like, well, I want to play the enemy's general as my next adventurer. <laughs> and then you could just go jump into a canyon or something. And uh, so to remove that that kind of temptation, I mean, there are a lot of people more 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 people than I expected. So it kind of surprised me on various aspects of the game have said, you know, well, I really want this to be an option that I have to set in advance so that I don't, I don't feel tempted to spoil things. Yeah. And so so having that as, a, I think, a world-gen parameter works the best for that, but that would be that would be cool as well, just being able to play whoever you wanted. It goes in with those kind of version one, post-version one arcs about being able to play a dragon, you know, that kind of thing. Because you could just assume control of a mega beast that already exists in the world and so on. Well, guys, thanks for joining us for this uh, episode number four. Real, remember, we're no longer a trilogy, and uh, <laughs> uh, we will um, be back again, of course, next month. That's the plan, and um, we'll pretty soon we'll put up the new the new vote for the new topics. We don't know what they are yet, but um, I just would like to thank Malix for doing the transcription, and I'd like to thank Olier for music, and I'd like to thank Tarn for making the game and I'd like to thank myself for producing, editing and writing and being an awesome individual because I love myself. That's right. And and I would also like to touch to, myself. Um, I want to touch me. That's right. I'd also like to thank uh poor Captain Tastic. He wasn't here this week, but he will be back next month. So That's right. Well unless unless, you know, evil comes calling. Evil comes calling. It does occasionally. Yeah, Captain Tastic. I mean, he can't control his schedule. 
I mean, if, if he tried to control a schedule like that, I mean, you might be dead tomorrow. You might be. You might be. It's a dangerous world with, like, what did you say, Venom and Doctor Doom or something? Yep, Venom and Doctor Doom. They were both <laughs> teaming up. I mean, they don't sound like they do good things to the world, you know? No. No, they don't. You know, they don't. They, they really, really don't. It's I mean, those are kind of the character motivations that are easiest to get at in the game, though. <laughs> <laughs> Like well, destroy you know, world. Doom, though, I mean, oh, he, I don't know much about these people. He, so he does. He, he does some, you know, humanitarian efforts. Oh, uh, oh, that's good. Occasionally, like, like he'll 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 um try to improve people through genetic mutations. I that's right. That's right. Cause... And, and and you know, uh, Venom, you know, in his defense, <laughs> he does eat orphans. So. Eat orphans. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess yeah. there's, there's historical. Um, was that so, Jonathan Swift? Right. There's, there's, there's historical people out of their misery. You know. It's, yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe Captain Testy isn't such a good guy after all. I I guess not. I'm sorry. Yeah, so he, yeah, he doesn't get any credit in this show, and I hope he doesn't come back next time. Because <laughs> the work of Doctor Doom and Venom... Very important. Very Thank important you. work. And, uh, I mean, what does he do to them? He just beats them up and throws them in jail or something, right? Uh, presumably, yes. I mean, he <laughs> hasn't really elaborated to me too much. Yeah, yeah, the cap. I don't even know what his superpower is. Well, what's more important is his uniform, his little outfit. It's fantastic. It's Captain-tastic. Fantastic. Fantastic. Spandex. Span. Spandex-tastic. It's Captain-tastic. It's got a big C on it, probably somewhere. Uh, uh, probably a, a, a CT or something. Yeah. Is that Connecticut? <laughs> yeah, he's he's from Connecticut, as a matter of fact. Yeah. yeah, I always thought he was in California or something, but uh, well, that's what his cover is. There's no T in California. No, no, it's true. <laughs> California tastic, though. Yeah, I think we uh, have we crossed the 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 boundary from from funny to stupid. We, we totally did, and then that's we didn't cool, look though, back. Right? Yeah, we didn't look back at all. I mean, way back there. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, you can't, you can't have. Um, it's like the, like they say, you can't, you can't have a, uh, a pioneering effort without a lot of mistakes. Um, and yeah, so or just trying, a lot of crap. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of garbage. We're trying our best though. <laughs> but this is what happens when you record a little bit too long, trying to have and, and th- three segments. Have... <laughs> instead, exactly. yeah, two. Yeah, well, this is yeah. I guess all of our problems are coming together, right? You, we've got three segments instead of two. Yeah. And we've got. Two hosts instead of three. Right. So where you'd normally have Captain Tastic sitting here saying, you know, what is this crap? What are you guys doing? <laughs> uh, right now we're yeah we're kind of blissfully There's going. no one to rein us in. Yeah yeah we're not we're uncontrolled and uh, yeah he he I mean this is where his superpowers really come in to like rein in people. He is like a kindergarten teacher. He's like okay <laughs> settle down. Okay class sit yeah, down. Yeah. Tarn Tarn put down the paste. <laughs> I was trying to rem- remember kindergarten. Rain seeker, right? stop running with those scissors. <laughs> I, I only thing I remember from kindergarten is being the sleep fairy, where you have the <laughs> wand. Everyone has to take nap time. Everyone's nap time, except the sleep fairy gets the wand that day and wakes the people up. So you go over to the different kids and you tap their heads with the wand, and when you get tapped with the wand, nap time is over. And you <laughs> brought a blanket to class every day for sleep time, for nap time. I forgot what it was called. And then the sleep fairy for that that day would wake people up. I think I was only the sleep fairy one time. Oh, um, I don't think it was because of a mistake. It was just because I was the sleep fairy one time. But uh, 
I woke the people up and everything. It's kind of surreal, though, because they turn off the lights in the room and you see all these little kindergartners pretending to sleep. And, um, it's, it, then you just, you just walk among them and tap them. Tap, tap them. Yes, I remember that. That's the only, I mean, I don't think I ever actually slept during nap time. It was only like two minutes or something. Oh, just the two minutes. Yeah, it was really weird. Really, really strange. But that, that is my one memory of kindergarten. I don't remember that. I mean, I, I, if someone said, did you do finger painting in kindergarten? I'd be like, yeah, but I don't actually remember what we did. <laughs> I have no memories of that at all. I remember what the teacher looks like. Uh, yeah, but it was, it was, I remember the sleep, sleep very quite well. <laughs> Uh, there was no sleep fairy in first grade. It all goes downhill after after that. I I would love to go to Yale and find out there's a sleep fairy at Yale. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's probably just something they do when they're on coke or something. But um, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't speak to the different traditions at different schools. I don't really know. I mean, I never lived in a dorm. Yeah, I, I lived in a dorm. It was. Did you have a sleep fairy? I I I had an unsleep fairy. I had a. Uh, well, I guess he was a sleep fairy. I mean, if his job is to wake you up, yes. <laughs> I would go to bed early, and well, not early, if early means like eleven o'clock, that's early. And and then he would come in at three a.m. after after hanging out and partying, and <laughs> and he would turn on the lights and throw his keys down on the desk, and you know, get undressed and and you know, do stuff without any regard for my my sleeping habits at all. That's right. I mean, did you have did you have fire alarms a lot too? Um, you mean oh. Like fire, just fire, fire drills holes and stuff, yeah. I think we might have had one. I don't recall, but I do. there was this legendary story because I, I went to the uh, uh, famous Bible college. Um, I'll, I'll say it's it's in Ortland, Oregon. Mm-hmm. And, well, you got to put the A's after that, right? Ortland Pay or something. Well, I, I was doing a Spoonerism there. Oh, Spoonerism? I don't know. Are you going to have me read the credits and the Spoonerism is next? That time? would be That would be probably easier, huh? I don't even know what the heck that is, though. Well, it's where you reverse reverse letters. It's where you reverse letters. So, uh, 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 oh, so they come in pairs. Right, they come in pairs. They they pum in cares. They they pum in cares. Care bears. Care and, uh, bears bear cares. That's no fun. <laughs> when I was yeah, so when I was in in school here uh, uh, a couple of years before actually I, I attended there. They, there was a um, a famous. Um, Incident where everyone in the dorm, in the men's dorm, um, you know, set out their clothes on the floor, turned on the showers. You know, it's about four in the morning, um, and um, you know, made it look like they were sleeping in bed or taking showers or brushing their teeth, and just left things everything askew as if suddenly they had been raptured. <laughs> and they all went outside to in front of the dorm, and someone had a big old foam, you know, horn. And everyone but one person who was asleep in his bed, and uh, he, they bl- all blew it really, really loud, or, or this one guy blew it really, really loud. And, um, he, now, did it, did it sound heavenly, the horn? I, I assume so, because he woke up, and he freaked out. He proceeded <laughs> to s- scream, running around, convinced that he wasn't saved he, he had been left behind oh, and oh this no. is before the left behind book date yeah because some of the people in the left behind books i mean that's not necessarily a bad thing then right or something right well you the, i guess there's hope for you if you you know but but i so he I didn't think so he didn't think there was hope is in other words yeah he, he thought that he had been left behind and um 
he uh, freaked out and um, you know then finally he came outside weeping and crying and uh, that needless to say that that was um, that that lo- particular prank was outlawed the previous the <laughs> yeah that's kind of mean it seems like the guy was affected oh yeah I don't think they realized what that would do to him <laughs> yeah well yeah I mean yeah at least they were you know he was he was fine. You know, he still has a chance. Yeah, that's true. He still has a chance. But now he knows. I mean, he might probably has more of a chance than the other guys now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess unless they repented, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, once they saw him crying, you hope you'd hope that they did. (laughs) It's not a guarantee, though. You know. I know. know. (laughs) Well, in in college, my my dad he he had a a, uh, one of his roommates had this big big TV. I guess for the time and. he would watch it rather than studying. And then so for finals, uh, it was an older TV, I guess, at the time. And so they, they found one in a secondhand shop and, and, and hid his in another room and put this old one where, you know, where it previously was. And uh, he was watching TV instead of studying. And, and so my dad and, and um, his other roommate ran in and, and shouted, we can't take it anymore. You're not studying. <laughs> and so they grabbed the TV and ran down the hallway with it. And he, and, and there were people in on the joke. So this guy's chasing after them and people are opening the doors, the hallways, you know, blocking them, him from just, just barely, you know, reaching him and people are blocking him. And, and finally they get to the end of the, of the hall. And this is a second story window and they chuck the TV out the window <laughs> And it falls to the ground and smashes apart. And um, they let him go on believing that, that his TV was destroyed until finals were over. <laughs> uh, I don't think he appreciated it too much, but maybe he got some sitting done. Yeah, know. yeah, I hope so. I mean, he's obviously uh, he's obviously been, been, you know, had time to produce children, fine children, parenting, and so on. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, I guess it, it all turned out well in the end. I just hope they looked before they threw it. <laughs> it's like on a sidewalk <laughs> or something, two stories down. It would kind of be like one of those cartoons having this giant TV land on you or something. <laughs> yes, you'd pretty much... <laughs> Probably die. <laughs> you know, you know, fun, especially because it's like a second-hand model too. It's not even the real TV. It's just, <laughs> just kind of indignity there. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Where's the little cat? Where'd you go? Where's the baby cat? Where are you hiding? Where's the baby cat? Hmm. He's wandered away. Where is baby scamps today? Not even in this room. There's no baby cat. That's right. Now it's like life with... Oh, was that an ear? Is that an ear sticking around the door? You can't even see me. If you why, why don't you stick your head around the door just a little bit more, and maybe you could see me. What you doing, Mister? What you doing? I see you. I don't know what kind of game you're trying to pull here, but what kind of game? What are you doing? Wow, he's not charging though. He's just sitting there. What a silly cat. What are you doing? Why don't you just come in the room? You're gonna stand like that. Yeah, baby Scamps just brought his fetch toy in, and I threw it. I threw it down the hall. 
So, yeah, yeah. Well, there's periodic disruptions. Oh, here he's back with his baby toy. He's got his, his toy. He's going to bring his little rodent. He's climbing up the tree with it in his mouth. He's going to work on it, huh? Yeah, yeah. He's bringing it up through to the top level of the tree. Are you going to go? Or are you just going to stay there? Oh, he's going up the hole. There he goes. He brought the, he brought, he's at the top of the tree now. He brought the rodent all the way up there. Good job, mister.